Because there's just nothing better than this. The TrojanSports.com podcast kicks off. Right now? Right now. No, no, I don't know. You said. Cock-a-doodle-doo, Bob. Oh, yeah. Direct from Rivals and Yahoo Sports. This, this is the TrojanSports.com podcast. For a USC with Trojan Sports Publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Moving on. You, you better cut that out, man. I swear. That better, I better not hear that on the podcast. You mean about the him doing that? Yeah, we broke down. The, the Beat reporter, Adam J. Maya. Here we go. Yeah. Message boards. We start March. Yeah. It's the weekly radio show you need for everything USC. Is that your first joke? Follow Trojansports.com on Twitter at USC underscore rivals. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off now. now, now. We're back with another edition of the Trojansports.com podcast. I'm the publisher of Trojansports.com here with our beat writer, Adam Maya, ready to discuss uh, USC's first loss of the season. Great game, though, but uh, a lot to get to in this one. And before we do, I just want to say that uh, I hope you guys were all on our site checking out our coverage from this game. And if you're not, make sure to sign up at usc.rivals.com slash sign underscore up. Adam Mile, turn it right over to you, though. What did you kind of take away from this game? Just your first impressions uh, coming off of this, you know, close loss, ranked Washington State team on the road. What jumped out to you? That big and curved it. They they played like like a lot of coming. They played like that pretty much the whole year. Stanford now looks like the aberration. That was again I, I thought one of their best games in in a few years against another good team. But the way that they played in this game was like the way they played versus Cal and Texas and Western Michigan and Washington State is better than those teams. I think they lost to a good team. I wouldn't panic because they lost to a good team. However, I don't think USC is going to run the table from here either. They're playing like they're going to lose again. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, I think USC is what their record shows and what they've done in these games. Uh, you know, they don't seem like a national title contender. Uh, they seem like they, you know, they're going to be in some tough games, some close games with competent teams. And sometimes... You're going to come out on the wrong end of those games. This doesn't feel like, you know, some past seasons where, you know, USC was competing for a national title or a Rose Bowl, and uh, they slipped up and they lost to somebody where it didn't make sense. Uh, this felt like Washington State is the better team uh, than USC, and uh, they will finish the season as the better team. Uh, it feels no. like, no. You, know, you, no, no. You, don't, yeah, you don't think that? I think that? that they look like they were about equal. And, you know, when you're the home team and the other team is a bit depleted, then you win that game. I, I think if they're playing Coliseum, I would expect USC to win, but I expect it to be tight as well. So, better? I, I wouldn't go that far. I, I think they're they're on the same level. But I think that in and of itself is probably bothersome to, the, you know, to USC, to their fans, because we didn't think that they should be about even. I think... The, the idea here was that USC was a Final Four team. And and I think they've been playing with fire. They, they haven't been scary for a while. They just haven't looked like a dominant team except for one game. So when you play other good teams, Washington State's a good team, you can lose. I thought this game would be tight. I really wasn't sure what would happen. I, I talked to a to one of the players before the game, and I told him, I think you guys are going to lose. I just being honest. I thought that they would lose, but I thought it'd be very tight. And that individual told me, no, we got this. And he even used the word easy, which I think infers that USC was a bit overconfident. They got into that place maybe because of that winning streak where they just expect to win. They, they believe that they have more than everyone and they can withstand being injured and playing on a short week and all these different things. That obviously, there are factors, without a doubt. But there was a talent gap, and, and Washington State erased it. And we know why. There's one main reason. When, when you have more talent and you're a more physical team, 
there's really one way that you can lose. I mean, Sam Darnold did not get injured. If he were if he were injured, that'd be different. But with him being in the game, there's really there's really one finger to point to. I think when you have more talent and you're a more physical football team, that's coaching. Yeah, it's coaching, and I I was gonna get there uh, in a different way as well because it, it's clear. I mean, there's a reason that you know Washington State's undefeated. They were ranked, you know, inside the top 20 coming into that game. There's no reason for USC to feel overly confident going into that game, right? That's a tough Pac-12 opponent on the road. But there is, and that is that everyone knows what Washington State is, despite this coach that has them ranked so high and undefeated and doing so well in recent years, is Washington State doesn't get the same kind of players USC gets. That would be my guess as to why that player you spoke to felt confident and why, you know, maybe some others did. Yeah, personnel-wise, you look across the field and you're not worried about really anyone. You know, there's obviously Hercules on defense and Luke Falk on offense, but that's it. Beyond that, everyone's looking around and they're thinking, okay, like all of our guys are better than all of their guys. And maybe they are, but you play in a system and... I, I, we could spend an entire podcast, maybe we should, on the system that USC is operating with on offense. It, it's so bad that it's made who I believe the, is the best player in America look bad. Yeah, and actually his his poor numbers in, this, in the offense that they ran in that game impressed me because I couldn't imagine another quarterback completing more than 30% of their passes in that offense that was called. It was there was no there was nothing protecting him from having a bag. No, no, absolutely you know, nothing. I'm gonna make this point. I'm gonna uh, borrow it from one of our subscribers. We have a lot of good ones, and I, I pay attention to what they're doing because I feel like they try to be rational, and a lot of them, and they make some good points. And these are things I've been thinking about, but it was put pretty well on our message board over the weekend. This is from Trojan Gift Horse. He says that a lot of our receiver routes look very basic and don't and don't incorporate a lot of deception, therefore making it easier to, uh, for the defenders to track what we are doing. So USC looks heavily reliant on individuals beating other individuals, which if you have that personnel, that's fine, but they don't have a Mike Williams. You know, they, they don't have... Marquise Lee. They don't, they don't have that kind of individual in their receiving core. I mean, they have Rojo, and that's why we saw an 86-yard touchdown run. But beyond that, USC didn't run the ball that well. It's hard to live that way. I, I just feel like they put so much stress on Darnold, and they they don't have a lot of imagine, imagination and creativity in their offense, um, getting the ball out to tight ends and running backs. I got a couple of numbers for us that, that just blow my mind. Okay, this was the first game that USC didn't have a tight end with a reception since the 2015 Pac-12 title game. And it happened one other time in that year in that loss to Washington early in the year. So two pretty infamous performances, especially by the offense. Then, this is the first time that a USC running back didn't have a reception in over five years since USC lost to Stanford in 2012. Another infamous offensive performance. This hasn't happened in years. Why is that? Because right now USC is extremely predictable. That they can't even get the ball out to a tight end or running back? That's how bad it's gotten? Well, they, they don't design any plays. This is what it feels like to me is that... that I mean, I know they design plays, right? The coaches, but to me, it feels like there's no design to 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 just get somebody the ball. To like, we need to get him the ball. We need to block for him. We need to isolate him. There's nothing like that. It seems like every play call in that game, at least, was. It reminded me, and I know I've told you this many times over the phone, but I love this analogy of how I played Madden, the N- the NFL video game, with Michael Vick when I was a kid. It's like he can do all these things by himself. So I'm going to call a random pass play and put everything on his shoulders to make yards, whether it's with his feet or, you know, with scrambling out of the pocket and looking for somebody downfield. It's just an absolute street jungle ball. I don't know how to, you know, something like it feels like some kind of backyard football deal where it's like just run some routes 
and uh, you know, hope it works out. There's no, there's no planning for anything. You watch how Washington State ran their offense, and they would, you know, roll the pocket and isolate a guy, and you know, put somebody in front of him in a block and get a guy, you know, in, in the screen game, going in the screen game, everything else. I mean, think, think about. You said that a running back didn't catch yeah, the ball. Can never okay. Right. Okay, I want you, this is just such common sense to me. Okay, I know that they had two freshman tackles playing and that the offensive line was a huge problem and it was clear with how Sam Darnold's getting pressured in that game. Okay, Ronald Jones had 86 yards. They, they actually had touchdown. one freshman tackle. We'll get to the offensive line in a minute. They had one freshman tackle. The other one was a redshirt sophomore. He's in year three. Go ahead. Okay, okay, sorry. Um, they, okay. Rogers had a 86-yard touchdown. So they abandoned the run game, which is ridiculous because you're playing Washington State. You, USC's path to success on that team should be running. Controlling the, the clock. So it's ridiculous. Yes. yes, it's absolutely ridiculous that they did that. But let's just say that that was the right decision because they couldn't run the ball. Let's just say that's what's that's the right decision. Okay, we can't run the ball. So you didn't call a play to throw the ball to Ronald Jones and get him in space somehow in another way? He just scored. 86 yards. It was literally, he got past the line of scrimmage, and not one player on Washington State had a right. prayer to stop him. The second he got past the defensive line, it was mm-hmm. over. You ain't catching me. 86 yards down the field. Touchdown. You're not going to throw him the yeah. ball? You're not going to get or him Stephen out of the backfield, Carr, get him in who space? Who got injured, but Yeah, later. anybody. Yeah, any, anybody. It's like any of those backs that were a mismatch. It's like, okay, if you really can't run the ball... Get them the ball in another way because if they're running with the ball, good things are going to happen. We saw that. No imagination. No imagination yeah, whatsoever. We, right. Where's it's, your check down for, for Darnold? I felt like he had very little help. I know that he played poorly. This was his worst game. I'm not trying to defend him here. I just feel like he doesn't have very much help. I think that the people that are responsible for designing the offense are, uh, are just leaving him out to dry. Really, I mean, it, oh yeah, I, I just can't. I can't believe it, he can get bad overnight. Okay, nothing dramatically changed. He's healthy. He's fine, and yet there's just not much to work with. I mean, so in this game, he had three completions for uh, a completion of ten yards or more to three receivers. Everything's short. Everything's basic. There's just no explosion in their offense. And we've just seen it coming. It's just gotten progressively worse and worse. So I'm not surprised really by a lot of it, although I really didn't think Darnold could play like this. And I chalk a lot of it up to what was around him. Uh, we're gonna, we mentioned the offensive line. We should talk about it. So, yes, Toa Lovingon doesn't make a trip. Chuma Doga goes down early. Vianney Talmadal goes down early. So they're going to be they're going to be in trouble. However, Clay Helton did tell us he made his point repeatedly in training camp that they had the deepest offensive line that he's seen since he's been there, and he's now been there for this is year eight with him, and he thought this was their deepest line that they were about three deep. Clearly, they're not. When they had someone go down, they bring up freshmen, right? They bring up Voorhees. They bring up Austin Jackson. They have third and fourth year guys on the line that, that did not play in favor of those freshmen. How deep are you? It it really just, I think it it kind of, uh, it speaks to, to them not really having, I think, an identity on offense. That's kind of like my conclusion from this, my main conclusion, is that they don't know who they are offensively. They talk about being run first, but they, they obviously don't have a fullback. They don't use two tight end sets very often. And then they're subbing their veteran linemen with true freshman linemen. They're not developing and, and building strong offensive linemen behind their, their top five. So how are you a run first team? No. Without those things, well, they they they're not because they don't recruit that way, and they tell they basically they don't tell recruits they're run first team when they're recruiting. Right, they have eleven receivers. That's what they've recruited. Yeah, no, when they were when they're signing a class with four wide receivers, they tell them the four wide receivers are going to play on every down. That's what they say. Well, we run four wide. 
They tell all the tight ends that they use three tight ends. It's just, they, they do it all. And when you do it all, you don't do anything. You don't do anything. And you're right with the run first thing. I mean, think about it, just how they recruit. How many offers go out to wide receivers, how many wide receivers they take, and they don't really have any wide receivers. And I just it just blows my mind. It's like, if you guys had just recruited more offensive linemen, and you you would you wouldn't have these wasted receivers that are going to transfer anyway or whatever you know that are going to leave and be a wasted scholarship anyway. You would have linemen being developed, assuming you could develop them. They because, have enough linemen, Chris. They can't develop. Yeah, yeah right. Linemen. They have enough. They have seventeen so, scholarship offensive linemen. Well, they're bad at evaluating them too. I think that's another problem. And but but the develop the development part is a big deal because most you know linemen come in, they're not ready right. to play. You have to develop them, and they don't because if you look at who plays at USC or who plays well at USC along the offensive line, it's all these guys that were great recruits that were supposed to be stars and were already, you know, supposed to be so good. And did they? Did any of them reach that potential? I mean, really, did Zach Banner reach his potential? Did Damian Mama reach his potential? Did Vianney Talmai-Vow? Did Nico Fala? Did Toa Lobendon? No, none of them. Not one of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's bad it is bad i mean to think that i and i know they're injured but to think that washington state's defensive front controlled usc's offensive line when's the last time that happened 1936 (laughs) but really yeah really they didn't control them in the 2002 game that they won a lot of troubling numbers from this game and it's been a trend Darnold had a career low 5.6 yards per attempt, which is across the board bad. Uh, Anywhere in in any conference of football, that's bad. But last week, he had set his career low with 5.9. So this was really an extension of what was happening last week. Uh, Another example, Darnold has averaged 298 yards per start passing. But the last two weeks... He's averaging 193. And of course, versus Washington State, he was down to a career low 164. But he was already 100 yards less than his average over the last two weeks. I mean, people are starting to forget how good he's been and and why they won 13 in a row. I'm seeing what people are saying about Darnold, which again, he had a bad game. He had a very bad game. But he's got one bad game now. He hasn't had four bad games. He's had probably three or four okay games. They weren't great by his standards. But if they were another quarterback, you look at that and like, all right, like that was all right. I mean, still completed, you know, seventy percent of his passes most weekends, threw a couple touchdowns, averaging three hundred yards, like I mentioned. But some of these games were his okay games. Now he had a bad game and. They can't win with him having a bad game. No, but the, but it's the coach. I mean, I, I like they got a great performance from their defense, and that's why they were in this game. I mean, their defense handed them a touchdown, and then the offense refused to take it and settled for a field goal. Then the defense held, and 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 USC was giving a gift with a short punt and a super short field, and the offense was like, no, we'll we'll take a field goal on that one too, even though they're practically starting to drive in the red zone. So it took a great performance from the defense, which people aren't going to look at it that way because they gave up 30 points. But it was really the offense um, leaving the defense out to dry. And that's the only reason why they were in this game. Washington State deserved to win this game. And another point I've been meaning to make, when Washington State watches the film, they're going to feel like, you know what, we should have won that game by more. We didn't play that well. It wasn't like they played a perfect game and they escaped with a three-point win. They played well, but they didn't play a great game. They'll play better. And that's what's scary for USC. Is that they lost to a team that they have a lot more talent than and didn't play their best game. And they still managed to win. Yeah, and I think what's scary for USC is that the only way they could have lost this game or that Washington State could be on their level uh, is that is that Washington State has a coaching staff that is one of the best in the country, maybe, and USC has a very average coaching staff. I want to go back to Sam Darnold's performance and comparing it to Luke Falk. Okay. We mentioned what does what does Sam Darnold have around him? Who's helping him? Right? It's it's a big problem. 
Well, what does Luke Falk have? <laughs> he just has a coaching staff. He his receivers are, are probably worse than yeah. Sam Darnold's. His offensive line is probably worse than Sam Darnold's. His running backs are definitely worse than Sam Darnold's. And he played a defense that was way better than the defense Sam Darnold was playing. So why didn't it work out for Sam Darnold? Because Luke Falk's coaching staff schemed, adjusted, changed, took what USC was doing and used it against them. I mean, every we see USC call so many cute plays, as I call them, that blow up in their face and look stupid, and it's like, why did you do that? And every cute play that Washington State called was directly because of something USC was doing and gashed them for a huge game. Every single one. It was a genius calling offense versus somebody who's not in his same universe calling offense. And you saw what happened is despite a great defensive performance by USC and a great defensive coordinator calling plays and adjusting and doing all the things necessary, Washington State, because of their coaching staff, was able to hang with them and score with them and keep it close. And on the other side of the ball, I don't know that much about Washington State's defense or their defensive coordinator, but... USC couldn't do anything to them. There was no adjustments, and it, and it comes back to what I feel like we've been hearing from USC for years, maybe not last year because they were good, but in other recent years where they weren't so good, where it was like, what happened? Why wasn't the run game working? Why wasn't this working? Why wasn't that working? And it seems like the answer is always, because this team did this to us, and it shut us down, and that was it. We couldn't throw it deep. They're running well, too yeah, hot. Oh, yeah, cover two. We couldn't run was, the ball. That was a Cody Kessler yeah. special. They were running cover two. Yeah. They were running cover two. We can't throw it deep. Uh, they're putting eight in the box. We can't run the ball. And Washington State didn't have any of those excuses, did they? No. USC pressured them and beat up Luke Falk and put them in a s- severe disadvantage. And Washington State adjusted and made USC's pass rush hurt USC. Yeah. And so USC backed out of it. That's yeah. coaching. No, Luke Falk's 340 passing yards were the most by a USC opponent in nearly two years since the Oregon game in 2015 with Vernon Adams. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like there was a nice chess match between Clancy and Leach. You know, where uh, yeah. Leach would start with something, Clancy adjusted, figured it out, USC would shut it down, and then Leach would come with another wrinkle. And then Clancy would pick up on that. And they were going back and forth. And so USC defense did enough to win this game for the offense. However, the other side of the ball, chess versus checkers. USC, yeah. 2 of 11 on third downs, which is a really disturbing trend. They've been 15 for 50 over the last three games on third downs and on fourth downs. 15 God. for 50. With Sam Darnold at quarterback? But their average distance in this game on third down was like above nine yards. Oh. Which so, I mean, you're not going to convert those. But <laughs> and doesn't that just tell you to run the ball too? I mean, I'm sorry, well, to they, jump in well, there, well, except on thirty thirteen. I mean, right? Well, I, oh the, well, the play yes. calling. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! That that one was bad. The the you mentioned it before when they had the ball and it's like the they're in the three. They were in the three. Okay, Rojo okay. has gained twenty pounds. This offseason, for this moment, the kid weighs like 212 right now. Just give him the ball three times. Four, Four times. Yeah, if you get to that point. I, you, it Four, won't take that you, long. I mean, it won't take you, that long. No, because you think they're going to hold him to... If they held him to one yard of rush Well, he's in on that. Down. One yard of... Right. He's in. He scores. Yeah. It's so... It's it's mind-boggling. It's just... It's just... Oh. It, it's it's a, I mean it's upsetting I think if you're a USC fan because you're watching this and you're knowing like is this going to get better you know what I, is this something that improves well, does I think do you, Washington State is one of the you know two or three best teams on their schedule however they don't have a great defense it'd be one thing if this game was a shootout and you couldn't keep up with them and you turn the ball over okay that's one thing. But USC didn't move the ball. They had a, a a low in yardage with Sam Darnold at quarterback. I mean, everything was a low. The passing yards, the total yards, uh, the plays. They ran 58 plays of offense. I looked that up. That was their lowest in five years since they played Cal in 2013. Mind you, in that Cal game, 
USC 162-28. They just were moving all over the field, and so they didn't yeah. run a lot of plays because they were scoring quickly. That, that This game was not that. So, least amount of plays that they've had in five years. Well, that tells you, too, going back to you're not running the ball enough. Because or or well. They, I mean, they didn't numbers, run the ball well. They had the big run. Oh, well, no, that, yeah. that's fair. That's fair. But it seems to me They're like that says well. you're reliant. No, but it's but you're relying on a pass game that isn't working. That's why you you know you're not running plays. You know, is because you're you're throwing a bunch of incompletions and giving the ball back quickly. Yeah, they, they average two point seven yards a carry aside from the eighty six <laughs> yard run from Rojo. I I'm really I'm just not sure where this is going because right now Darnold had the benefit of not facing a defense for the second time. Now, Cal is the exception, except, of course, they're in a new system, new coordinator, new head coach. They're healthier, too, I believe. Who? I think they were banged up. Cal, I think their their defense was banged up in that game last year. Well, yeah, I'm fine. But my, my point is... So, I'm just saying, it feels point is, different. Yeah, Darnold feels has different. faced yeah. everyone just one time, but now that there's more film, it seems like... Or maybe I shouldn't just say his name, but, you know, Key Martin has faced everyone... You know, most one time. I mean, with him, you have to add Stanford. With Darnold, I don't because Darnold didn't start in 2016 versus Stanford. But um, but Washington State was new. Cal, you know, new coach, new coordinator, whatever. Um, Texas was new. Western Michigan was new. Oregon State this weekend will be new. But everything after that, everything after Oregon State, is someone that they've faced before. It's someone that Darnold has faced before. And it's someone that Key Martin has faced before. And it seems like with the more exposure, they're able to shut this down. USC held to 327 yards of offense. It was the first time, this week and last week were the first times that they were held under 400. Against two teams that, you know, it's like, if they're USC not, played, yeah, they're not you excellent know, a top defense. 10 defense. Exactly. Yeah. No. A lot of a lot of cause for concern. Yeah, just I, I mean, and it, and it's something that you know it's it's I know they have injuries or whatever, but it, you know usually if something like this happens and you have confidence in the coaching staff for where you feel like oh this will get fixed. I don't think their offense is going to get fixed this season. I don't think they're going to start calling plays well, and then you wonder, you know, how does this get fixed if if that continues? Are you? hoping for a coaching change, you know, coming into the season where USC is supposed to be competing for a national title. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird kind of limbo feeling. You know what I mean? It's like this in between. It's like, this could be the start of like a longer fallout kind of feeling. You know what I mean? It's like, it will take yeah. time. When you say you coaching know? change, who are exactly you're talking about? Because I, I'm talking offensive. Okay, because, yeah, I, nothing's happening with Clay right yeah. now. No, 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 no. And, but I'm, I'm just but saying. But with that, it, I, Clay's not going to do anything about Key Martin either. I don't think so either. And yeah, I, Key Martin would have to get hired elsewhere, yeah. except the further we go along, the harder that's going to become. Yeah. But I'm just saying, if you're if you're looking at this as a USC fan, and you're and you want your offense to be good, <laughs> of course. How how does that happen? You have Sam Darnold. It's not good. What what needs to happen? And it seems like the only answer is change the offensive coordinator. And if that's the only answer, how far away is that from happening? Maybe years. Uh, yeah, I think it's a ways away. I think that they're going to need to see individuals just really grow. Like we saw Tyler Vons, who could have been doing that for the last month. He had an excellent game. And I expect that um, as he emerges, then it gives Darnold another guy. You know, Giante obviously is not 100%. He had his quietest game of the season. But between Giante and Tyler Vaughn, that's a, a positive development. And I think that opens things up. If they're able, if he's able to kind of, I think, distribute a little bit more. Um, I mean, he always wants to distribute. He throws to people. He threw to Josh Follow in the red zone. And it, it was nearly picked off. I didn't think Follow competed for that ball well. I don't think Darnold made a great decision on it either. Um, he he threw the interception to Joshua Madurbebe. You know, I mean, he's trying to get other people involved, and and Madurbebe really rounded that that route off poorly. 
um, and, and John yeah. will telegraph it. You know, I mean, it, they both have blood in their hands. You know, you look at these interceptions, and Darnold's not innocent, but he's also not being helped a lot of the time. And and so I think with defense is kind of keen in on these things, and and there not being a lot of separation, then they're becoming easy to defend, and it relies on a lot of individuals making a play. And they don't have a lot of people that are that are doing that yet. And maybe they're not capable or they're not given the opportunity to do it. Well, you said that maybe people can grow, right? Maybe that's what we're looking forward to is that somebody grows up and, you know, whatever. It helps the offense. I just don't remember that happening at USC in recent years. We haven't seen a lot of it. I don't no. remember. Yeah, I don't remember a guy being developed into something. And it's like, oh, he came out of nowhere. He's great now. It's... Yeah, to I mean, me, Gian like that most people will point to, that's fine. Like, I mean, Gian okay. is uh, much better than we expected. And I always liked him. I mean, I remember before 2016, kind of pushing that, that narrative, like, I think he should be the starting slot receiver. I thought he was their second best guy, really, behind Juju. Darius ended up having a better year than I expected. But I don't think Darius necessarily grew. Darius didn't play enough and or wasn't thrown to enough by Kessler. And when he got thrown to, he made plays. But, I mean, they, they lost yeah. Juju and Darius, but, I mean, the world didn't end there. Darius isn't in the, even in the NFL. Juju's doing well, like, like you would expect. But, I mean, they've had those guys before. Juju's not better than Marquise and Robert Woods. You know, maybe better than Aguilar. You know, it's probably a wash. My point is, they've always had receivers, and they've lost them, and then they had another guy, and they had another guy. But right now, it looks so weak there at that position. There's just a lack of development. Well, and then Tyler Vaughn's looks pretty decent. Yeah. And my question to you is, why hasn't Tyler Vaughn's been starting all season? <laughs> you can't tell me that... He just figured it out in the last two no, games. Of course not. It, he couldn't get on the field. You couldn't give him the ball. He couldn't do anything. And now all of a sudden he's okay and he's good or whatever. Yeah, he just no, no, matched. No, no, no. Ridiculous. Right, he had six catches for 89 yards. And uh, Stephen Mitchell a couple weeks back, he had six catches for, I think, 90 or 94 yards. So they essentially had the same game. And that is the best performance by a receiver other than Deontay Burnett. For the entire year. But yeah, yeah Vaughn's has really barely played. He played a little bit more versus Cal. And then obviously he played this week, this past weekend. But where has he been? Yeah. Well, it doesn't make sense to me either because, you know, I just feel like coaching common sense or whatever is you look at your receivers and we've all looked at the USC receivers and we all see that there's some of these young guys that it's like, I know they're not doing it yet. Maybe they're not doing it in practice all the time or whatever. But it's like, they look the part. And some of the guys above them don't or aren't doing it or whatever else. And it's like, why don't you just play the younger guy and just well, play, see play if the he better guy. That? I don't care if you're a true freshman. I'm with if that you're too. A redshirt senior, play the best guy. Tyler Vaughn's clearly one of the best guys. And it was too little, too late. Yeah, but he just he to me he looks like a USC receiver. It's like he was out there, and it's like, oh, that looks like a, a USC receiver, and I didn't see that all the time. No, yeah, year. it wasn't like a secret. Vaughn's didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah. What else? <laughs> there's a lot. I mean, it's just there's a lot to cover. Uh, luckily, USC has Oregon State next week. Yeah. So they might have a game, you know, where they can kind of figure yeah. it out or you know whatever because. There's no chance Oregon State beats I could them. I don't care no. how bad they play. No. Well, not even if it was at Reeser. I mean, Oregon State is so bad this yeah. year. It, you know, it's, they just they will not beat no. USC. Um, but, I mean, I think on defense they're pretty good. It's just there's so much on offense. It's a concern that it just feels like any team that can, you know, score on them or, you know, that can, has a good defense or, what you know, if they have these elements. Well, I think – the, it could be rough. What's going to be? What you, what's going to happen? What's already happened is that the offense is making the defense look bad. They're putting them back in the field. In yeah. this game, Washington State 
uh, won the time of possession battle by 10 minutes. USC punted six times, which was the most um, in a game that Donald started. Except, like, it, it just happened a couple weeks ago as well. And so, um, it, it, it's second time it happened in three games. Yeah. The offense is just... Yeah. It, it's falling apart. Which, it, it's weird to say that. I, I, I say that and I feel like it might be extreme. But, like I mentioned, they, they had a season-low 15 first downs. They can't... They, they haven't been able to really run the ball... Um, they again. They had that that big run, and that was really it. But now they're not throwing the ball either. At least with Texas a couple weeks ago, Darnold threw for three hundred and ninety-seven yards. They just weren't scoring. They were having a hard time in the red zone. But now they're not even getting into the red zone, except you know the defense put them in the red zone a couple times, and they couldn't even deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've had. Uh, I'd say. So they played five games. They've had four good defensive performances, right? I mean, like outside, I think Western yeah. Michigan probably yeah. wasn't. Stanford was good. Texas was very right. good. Uh, Cal was very good. And this week was good. Yeah. And they've had four poor offensive performances. Maybe even five. I mean, Western no, Michigan, I don't even think no, you no, can no, call no. that. Like Stanford was... Was excellent. They they had over six hundred yeah, yards. Yeah, Western Michigan yeah. was was good. Uh, it wasn't great, but it was good. Texas was was the beginning where like they were throwing the ball, but they weren't scoring. They were shut out the entire second half until the miracle drive at the end of regulation, and then Cal was bad, and this was terrible. And so, and then you have so they've played five games. They they're four and one. They could be one and four. Well, it could so, be. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say that, but they were tied in the fourth quarter versus Western Michigan, which we made a big deal yeah. about that. And people thought, hey, why are you making a big deal about this? Because it spoke to what was coming. It was very foreboding. So they were tied in that game. They blow up Stanford, which now is misleading. They're tied. Well, Stanford yeah, was misleading. They were tied just in general in the fourth quarter versus Texas, and then trailing at the end of that game in regulation. They had to come back. Then they're tied in the fourth quarter versus Cal. Why are you tied in the fourth quarter versus Cal? And then they're tied in the fourth quarter of this game, and ultimately they lose. Yeah. Well, my my point is is that when you look at all that, when you look at that, they could range from one to four to four yeah. and one. That the defense has pretty much played well. In almost every game outside of the opener, and they actually, they, I mean, they did have turnovers and scores and stuff. You know what I mean? So it's like you could even that wasn't a great performance, but they've been good pretty much all season. It's clear what the problem is. It's the offense that features the preseason favorite for a Heisman Trophy at quarterback, and uh, you know, a great backfield. Yeah, any anybody would take it. Anybody would trade their yeah. personnel for Rojo and Carr. Yeah, going back to Falcon Leach, it's like, what would Washington State's offense look like if Mike Leach had yeah. that person right. and up it, there? And I ju- you know what I mean? I make it's a point like, about the running backs. Anybody would trade their quarterback for John Lynn as well. <laughs> so, yeah. what's going on? And we, we talked enough about the receivers, so I, I feel like it's, you know, beating a dead horse. But yeah, now it, it, it turns to the coaching. Yeah, I I almost I want to like I want to like go through the staff with you a little the bit. Staff. I mean, like okay, the staff. Like what you know what I mean? Like where where are the the big issues for you? Is does it all kind of settle on T. Martin's play calling, or you know, do you see issues with Neil Callaway, or is that just you know so much turnover? What what's what's just give me the whole pie, the whole mess for you. What kind of jumps out to you? As big issues right now on this coaching well, Okay, staff. we talked about the offensive line and how why did they replace veterans with with true freshmen? That makes you kind of wonder about really how deep they are and how they're developing. But because that all happened in one game, where they you know they they prepared that week with Tola Lovingon, and then he doesn't play because of a staff infection, wasn't able to make the trip in the eleventh hour. And then Schumann goes down early, Vianney goes down early. So when you lose three right away, then, okay. Like, 
I, I'm not going to harp on that right now. I don't think this is the week to do that. Because it happened in-game, happened early in the game. It'd be one thing if, like, Chuma and Viani played the whole game and then they got hurt at the end, or they came out of it hurt. Yeah. They, they didn't play very much. Cholo didn't play at all. Okay. Like, I, I don't really want to spend a lot of time with the offensive line. But the funny thing is, okay, so it goes back to, what, receivers and play calling and tight ends. The receiver's coach is the offensive coordinator. So you can kill two birds with one stone right there. Yeah. I, I think Key Martin right now is stealing more money than Tony Bland. Whoa, we went there. Where's Baxter on that list, though? <laughs> well, I kind of already made that comment about him a couple weeks ago. It, it would have been nice to have <laughs> Kerry Angeline in a red zone situation, right? I mean, six foot seven. Oh, I agree. Six foot I seven agree. that you couldn't use him. So, okay, you you had five scholarship tight ends. Now he doesn't he doesn't set the formations and call the plays, John Baxter. But you, ha- if you're going to recruit that many, if you're going to bring in two freshman tight end tight ends, why aren't they using two most of the time? They they don't do it very much. And if Kerry Angeline is that poor of a blocker, because that's kind of the murmurs right now, is that, well, he couldn't block. Fine. I'm willing to to, to give you that, if that's true. It, that very well could have been the case. I asked Baxter about that. He said, no, he's fine. We could use him in any package. But maybe he was lying to me. Fine. That, that wouldn't be the first time. If he can't block, I don't care. Tyler Petit can block. That's what he's out there for. He's not as good of a receiver. So you pair him up with one of the better receiving tight ends. I realize that Daniel Meyer-Bebe has not been available. But with him out, it's even more reason to play Kerry Angeline and use him with another tight end, and then you throw him the ball. It's not that complicated. No, it isn't. And then also, too, I, you know me, and I'm, I'm all into recruiting and I just think about recruiting. This is what happens when, when something, when, you know, a guy transfers out or whatever. And I think, okay, so USC is now in contact again with Mustafa Muhammad from Texas. They told him previously that they were just going to take Cameron McDonald. They were going to take one. Now they're back in contact with him because they're trying to get two in this class. With Kerry Angeline, you hit a home run. You had a guy that had scholarship offers from almost every major program in the country from Pennsylvania, visit your school and decide to commit and sign. And he was on your roster. Now chased him away. And now you're going after a guy from Texas that it would also be a huge home run if you were able to, to get him. He would have to come to your campus, visit, and eventually sign. And the likelihood is it's not going to happen because he's not from Southern California. Why did you do that to yourself? Why did you force yourself to hit two home runs at the tight end position back-to-back? And then I think about Cameron McDonald. Cameron McDonald is a kid that they have told up front is too thin to be a good blocker and to play tight end, you know, like full-time right away or whatever. So they're telling him, oh, don't worry. We're going to use packages for you. We're going to flex you out. We're going to do all this different stuff with you, which they won't do. I don't even have to say they might not do. They will not do it because they never do it. They didn't do it with Kerry Angeline. Why would they do it with him? They chased off a tight end that was probably more highly regarded than Cameron McDonald that has the same problems that he has. He's a catch-first, can't-block type. Too thin. Why would Cameron McDonald go to USC knowing that they just chased that guy away who's been in there for a few years now and he's not getting the ball and he doesn't feel like he's going to play? Why would you do that? I I talked to some players about this and even they were befuddled. They they couldn't believe that they just lost Terry Angeline. They knew that he could help. They liked him. I think he's going to be good. I would expect wherever he goes, he's, he's going to play, and I think he'll be productive. He kind of looks like Caleb Wilson, <laughs> who is having an incredible year and might win the Mackey Award. Yeah, it's all crazy. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what's going on. I Too many promises being made in recruiting, clearly, because that's where this stems from, promises to to get Josh Follow and Eric Kromenhoek on the field. 
Well, they, they promise all these kids the world. I know. Angeline wasn't recruited by Baxter. He's part of the old regime. Yeah. But I, I'm just, in yeah. general, right? In general. Um, and it seems like on offense, too, probably because, you know, more than on defense. There's probably a little bit of it on defense as well. But just because there's, you know, different things you can do with these offensive guys or whatever. So you hear a lot of, um, you know, the receivers saying that they're going to f- run four wide receiver sets regularly. You hear the tight ends saying that they're going to put three tight ends out there. Uh, you hear, you know, guys saying that they're going to play on both sides of the ball when almost nobody plays on both sides of the ball for USC. Uh, you know, you hear running backs talking about how they're going to do things with running backs that they haven't seen USC do in a dec- you know, yeah. a decade or two, right? And uh, how how do you not end up chasing some of these guys away when they get there? And you're not going to do those things. You're just, you know, you can say to them, I get that it's a good pitch and that, you know, you got to get them to sign or whatever, but... If somebody really pays attention to what USC's offense does, they do not do these things that these kids are promised. And I think that, you know, it backfired with Kerry Angela. I mean, Dominic Davis has like lost his career. Yeah, he's he's been moved to a position that he will not play well and cannot play well, and you know, because they basically when he's getting recruited, was telling him, oh, you can move to the slot, you can catch the ball, you can do this and this and this, which where, he would have done. Where would Dominic Davis have gone? Go? To, Washington State. Man, what he would have done the other night if he had been on the field. Oh, yeah. Oh, he fits perfectly into that yeah. offense. And they just told him, USC just told him, hey, we'll make you fit into ours. And I could have told the kid, you know, because I've, I've seen them do that with, with high, you know, high-end athletes before that play a position that they don't have. It's just they, they say, we'll play you. And it almost never pans out. I don't remember it panning out. So... All crazy, but I'm glad we could pretty much limit uh, the blame on the coaching staff to just two coaches. It makes me feel pretty warm and fuzzy inside. Adam. Okay. So, it does. There, okay, well, there is one silver lining here. Yeah. Is there? I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. This game doesn't severely impact their national title of aspiration. Not at all. Yeah, really not at all. I mean, if they go 12-1, and one, they're in the Final Four. It's just a matter of whether you yep. actually think they're going to go 12-1. and one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that's... that To to us, that's that's the red flag about this game, right? Besides the losses that it's like, oh, this is going to happen again. This could happen again, right? It, they're, they're showing weaknesses, and it doesn't feel like, you know, a Pete Carroll team where it's like, oh, they just didn't show up for the first half of this game or whatever, and they lost this one, it's like, you know, Washington State's as good as you or, you know, maybe better or yeah, whatever else. good point. It, uh, it felt nothing like that 03 loss to Cal or uh, 08 to Oregon State or 06 to Oregon State. It didn't, it didn't feel anything like that. Yeah. No. It, no. It felt but like these you, two teams were, were in like a level playing field. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... That's a red flag, and that's a red flag for if they do, you know, let's say they do run the table, they get to the playoffs. If Washington State was playing with USC, what's Alabama going to do, right? You know what I mean? Like, what what is Clemson going to do or these other teams? Uh, they might be on a different level anyway, so it might not matter. But I think if you are looking for a silver lining, like you said, there's a lot. There's actually, right, there's a lot you can, you can even though this performance was bad, if you want to be a USC fan that you know has those those rose colored glasses on and it's looking for all the positives, they were hurt up front badly. They went on the road and played an undefeated top fifteen team coached by a genius with a great quarterback. It was a close competitive a short game. Week. So and Washington and a short State week. had not left Pullman for all of September. Yeah, so you look. It's like this loss is totally acceptable on a championship yeah. resume, completely yep. acceptable. If they do run the table, everybody will look back and they'll be like, "Oh, they lost a hard fought game to a team that heck they might be seeing again in the title game, right? Maybe they get a rematch and they can get revenge or whatever." It's not a bad loss at all, just from the paper standpoint, from looking back at the resume, not at all. So yes, if USC rides the ship, if they win out, they're going to the playoffs. It's not the BCS, right? It's not right. these years where it's like, oh, USC has one loss. It feels like they might be the best team. They're not getting in because the SEC's gaining in and someone in the Big Ten went undefeated. 
They'll be in the top four. I cannot imagine a USC team that with only one loss outside of the top four. I mean, last year they were ranked third and they had three we losses. Third. Yeah. Yes, were, yes, eight, I know, eight, but nine. they had three losses. Fair enough. Right. I get with that. Three I'm losses, saying it's right. like, and had they had with two, three losses, they would have been fourth. They probably would have been fourth. They had gotten to play yeah. Washington in the Pac 12 title game. They with two losses, they would have been number four. Yeah, they might, they might even be able to lose another one. I mean, I would say probably they're probably not. out of I don't, this I don't think this year I, they can. The schedule is going to – no, because the schedule probably won't be strong yeah. enough. You know, people are questioning Darnold now or whatever. But there's still a chance you couldn't write them off, you know, if they lost not Oregon State, let's say the game after that, and then ran the table and blew some teams out and beat Notre Dame or whatever, right? They could possibly do it. Yeah, It'd be I, right it, there. It's kind of a too many variables. Right there. We can't even say because it depends yeah. on other conference champions and how many losses they have. I don't think that they would get in with two. I really don't think so. Yeah. It doesn't really matter. The point is they have one no, loss and they could finish with one loss and they'll be in the final four. But I don't think they're going to finish the year with just one loss. This is no. not the NFL. This is not the NCAA basketball tournament. Winning ugly catches up to you. And that's what they've been doing for a month. They've been winning ugly. Outside of that Stanford game, they won ugly, and it was going to catch up to them. And it did. Yeah, and, you know, I've. it also seems like this. the schedule still doesn't seem that tough, right? But Notre Dame, all of a sudden, that looks a lot harder uh, than it did before the season maybe you know, I, I guess we all thought it could be tough but that all of a sudden it looks like that could easily be the second loss and then some of these other road games or what you know what i mean like at arizona state doesn't seem like a cakewalk anymore utah they seem pretty good it's like all of a sudden right before the season when we're like nothing can stop sam Darnold. this offense is going to be good no matter what right doesn't feel that way anymore it feels like some of these other teams can hang with them so if you're still in the train that you know, you think USC can go undefeated from this point. Don't even worry about the loss. I just think it kind of shows that, you know, there might be there might be two or three other teams that could get them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just what I'm yeah, thinking no, it, now. It, this, the way that they've been playing, not just losing this game, even had they won, let's say they won by three, the way that they've been playing and, uh, and the way that they would have, you know, still like, again, if they would have won on Friday night, because, let's say, Darnold led them on that final drive, you wouldn't hear all the, the criticism of Darnold, but there still would be a lot to say about everything else. And it suggests that they're beatable. They're, they're not scary, right? If USC look like a scary team, they're not dominant. No. They just look beatable. No. They're, they're, they're very good. I'm not, you know, I'm not writing them off. They just don't look unbeatable they don't look scary maybe i mean they no. might have a great game this weekend and and perhaps a lot of people are going to start forgetting about what happened in september i don't know it, i'm not sure how this season's going to play out because last year they were one and three and a lot of that was due to schedule and quarterback play and then they had a much nicer schedule moving forward and much better quarterback play and they looked scary and they look dominant. I, I don't know what's going to happen with this year. I don't I don't see them playing uh, in October, November the way that they did last year, though. No. Well, I, I feel like without, you know, the quarterback change that could make this dramatic shift, and, you know, like, I don't see how it happens. Because to me, if I, if I trusted USC's coaching staff, if I thought, you know, this is on the players, this, these offensive issues, it's not on the coaching, if I trust that staff... I'd be okay with them losing to Washington State. I'd be okay with them not looking like a scary team, looking like other teams could beat them. And I would feel uh, reasonably confident that they could win out somehow or, you know, finish 10-2 and two or something like that uh, anyway because sometimes that does happen. Sometimes we do see teams that look very vulnerable and beatable, but they have that coaching staff there. They're constantly coaching, developing, and, you know, the team, it, it like, builds their character and they get better. Uh, you know, those close wins, but I just, I feel like they're going to have a coaching disadvantage in maybe all of these games. Maybe all of these games. And I don't see how that formula works out. If if you look beatable, you don't look scary, you know, you have these holes, 
And then you don't have the coaches that I feel like are going to adjust and fix those holes and shore up those problems and make you into a scary team. It just all feels yeah. bad to me yeah. right now. I, I keep looking at these numbers, and I'm just amazed that USC was stopped by the Washington State defense. It'd be one thing if USC had, like, four fumbles or four interceptions. They didn't. Darnold threw one interception, and then he fumbled on the final offensive play. But, I mean, so you, you're talking about a 58-minute span where they just had one turnover. They were just stopped. Yeah. It wasn't fluky. No, it wasn't fluky. They, they're keyed in on what Key Martin wants to do. He just seems befuddled. He has no answers. Well, he sent Rojo to the locker room early. It's like, he is befuddled. You know what I mean? It's like, it, <laughs> there, there's, there are no answers. I mean, it, the offense just doesn't make sense at this point. That's where it's at. I mean, it doesn't, you have a running back that pulled off that play and you said, good job, you're well, off work early. No, they, they ran him on, what, third and 13, right? When, when yeah. they're trying to oh, tie yeah. the game, like the, you know, in the middle of the fourth quarter. Third and 13. Sam is your quarterback. Give him two chances. They gave him one, and he still managed to do it. But you give him two. You, you don't try to... I mean, what, what was he thinking? Pick up seven yards on a, on a, on a halfback delay, trying to throw them off? And then Darnold, you, you know, you cut it in half for him? Like, Darnold doesn't need your help. Give him as many opportunities as possible. Yeah, and uh, by the way, that halfback delay would never work because the guy that you know they're faking it to to like hand off to scored an eighty-six yard <laughs> touchdown on Washington. Like, do you think that defensive coordinator is telling them, "Oh, don't worry about that running back. Like, they're gonna throw. Don't worry about him at all. Like, just forget Rojo. We won't look at him." I, I, I think they're gonna pay attention. Yeah, just predictable. to what he's doing. And yeah, nothing could get more than not having a completion to a running back or a tight end. They're very predictable. Yeah. Well, that also says they can't design plays. Because I don't know why you just don't you just don't find a way to get those guys the ball. So, that's it. Yeah. All right. J- Jamal Morrow, who I, w- I thought about when I was making a point about Dominic Davis. Jamal Morrow, the, the running back for Washington State, who ran for 90 yards, he caught five passes, and that, that probably helped that running game because Washington State's running game was effective. It wasn't great. They, they don't, they, that's not how they're designed. They're designed to throw the ball, but they still were able to run when they needed to, which is funny how they could run the ball and throw the ball better. I mean, their offense did everything better than USC's offense against a good defense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know. That's yeah. the difference, right? Is that they don't have the same kind of players on offense, and they're playing a better defense, and they did better. Why did that happen? Play calls. That's the only answer. That's it. That's the only answer. Adam, I want to know, too, what what are you thinking for a record now for USC? Because I know, you know, before we had all these grand visions even though we weren't super confident about U.S. No, I mean, I said 10 and 2 before the year, and I'm sticking with that. You're, you're going to still stick yeah. with 10 and 2? Okay. I, you're, you're not like I, me. I react yeah, to everything. Yeah, they were, they were going to go, like, 1 and 11 and 11 and 1. And, you know, what, yeah, and now they're down <laughs> to 1 and 11 again. They ain't winning anything. Now they're, they're 4 and 8, I guess, for you. But, uh, no, I, I, I don't think they're going to collapse. I think Darnold's too good for that, but it's very troubling with the way he's playing and the direction that the offense is heading. Yeah, no, I agree. So you, you're thinking at Notre Dame is probably the I, loss then. I'm, I'm not even picking these other ones. I'm not trying to, to avoid it. It's more that that's the way USC's always kind of functioned, where yeah. you can't predict their losses. That's true. It's really hard to predict them. It's really, true. really hard. I thought Stanford would beat them. I was. Very wrong about that. Yeah. No, you're right. And I'm not going to take credit for this one. I, I just I told a player because that was my feeling at that point that I, I didn't I didn't think they would win. We knew this game would be hard. Yeah. I I was I was a bit miffed when I was talking to people uh, during the week last week 
before the game, talking to the, the players about this game, because, uh, I mean, when we got the schedule, I don't, rem- I don't remember when that was, it was a while ago, but you saw this right away, without a bye week, on a short week, back-to-back road games, Washington State liked to throw the ball a lot, probably figured they could, versus the secondary, coming off of a good year. It goes on and on and on. That was before we even yeah. knew, obviously, about about injuries and different things. I, I always thought this game would be really hard. So it's excusable. I just think that it, it infers that, that more is coming. That's all. Yeah, I agree. I don't like the way that they've been playing football. That, that's the last thing I really want to say, is that um, they're 4-1, and one, fine, you know? Uh most times you're happy to be 4-1 and one coming out of September. It's been a long time since they were able to get through September undefeated. 4-1 and one is not bad at all. And it, it doesn't knock them out of the, the national title hunt. I just don't like the way that they've been playing. They haven't looked like a Final Four team the whole year, other than one week. No. No, to me, they look like a team that if they had a hard schedule, they might be 8-4. and four. You know, I they, they just seem very average. And... You know, you're right. You're right. They haven't been playing good football, and it's disappointing because it's it, it feels like they're like the Ferrari of football programs. You know what I mean? Like these teams they've been competing with. Texas is down. You know, so they're kind of in this group too. It just feels like they've been racing Toyotas with a Ferrari, and they lost. They found a way to lost one of these races. You know what I mean? It, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know? They're not. So, they're not it, where they once were. And we thought they might be getting back there, or after the Stanford win, I thought they were back there, but they're not there. Yeah. Uh, I, another thing I looked up was that USC, they haven't been ranked in the top five and beaten a ranked opponent since the Barkley win in Columbus versus Ohio State in 2009. It's been eight years. Crazy. That they've been at that, in, at that place in the program. So it's been eight years since they've been, like, properly ranked. Yeah. There you go. That, I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> yeah. Is that our show, Adam? I think we're good. I think we're good. This was a shorter but sweet, just, like, absolutely to the point, all all pie filling. You know what I mean? No crust in this show. Just filling. I liked this one. I'm going to listen to this one. Okay. I promise. So, for Adam Maya. I'm Chris Swanson. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And one more one more thing. If you are not a subscriber to Trojansports.com, if you just listen to the podcast, we love you, too. Don't worry. Keep listening. But give us a chance. Give us a chance. You know, one month. See if you like it. USC.Rivals.com slash sign underscore up. Get on there, man. It's like 10 bucks a month. It's less than 10 bucks a month. Totally worth it. So check it out. And we've added. We're not just doing what we've been doing. Okay, we got we got Scheme to Death, which is another podcast. Uh, very analytical. Mert Baldwin, he's awesome. And he really breaks things down before each game and after games and really explains what happened in a way that, that I can't and Chris can't. And then he does some pieces for us as well. So if you're not into the audio thing, then he'll break it down in written form and with video and GIFs and things of that nature. And then we have another feature called Ask the Expert, featuring Pac-12 Networks analyst Yogi Roth, where he gets really in-depth on USC and kind of breaks down what they're doing and, uh, and, and you know tells us a lot about, about quarterback play, about offense, uh, another bright mind in this game. And so he's working with us now oh, yes. on a weekly basis. And I think that's some of the best stuff that you're going to find um, in the Rivals Network or in, in, in any of the Oh, totally. Sites. Without question. And, I mean, on top of that, you have Adam J. Maya, if you're subscribed, who's the best beat writer in, in you know, the world, I really think. We don't think, need to go with all, all the superlatives. I'm all right. I'm all right. Okay. Okay. Adam's very good. He's worth subscribing for. And then you get a bunch of recruiting stuff with me and, you know, a lot of recruiting stuff that you're not going to find anywhere else. You're not. I talked to Junior Angelo. He's talking about USC's going to make the cut. No one else has that. I have the latest on quarterback Tanner McKee. No one else has that. I have, I have an update 
on a local tailback target that USC is recruiting has not offered a scholarship to yet, but is somebody to really watch in this class, and you're not going to find that anywhere else either. So tons of exclusive recruiting content. Adam Maya is Adam Maya. He doesn't like when I compliment him, so I won't anymore. <laughs> and then Murph and Yogi and the whole family. I mean, there's tons of reasons to sign up. So sign up. That's all. That's It's just a quick plug, but please do it. Yeah, it's like a cornucopia of things that you won't find elsewhere. I know that there's a lot of free content. I understand that. And we because of that, we try to give you things that you won't get elsewhere. And we make them exclusive. Sign up. Sign up. All right. Thank you for listening, too, and uh, we'll see you next week. We shall.